This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you, your chance to hear from the experts, the insiders and the industry, get some great recipe ideas and of course share your questions as well as we talk all things food. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Good afternoon. I'm Siobhan Layden. I'm sitting in for Helen today. And Easter is just around the corner. So we're going to be sharing some great brunch recipes, some kids' treats, and how to make the perfect poached egg. Something I still haven't managed to master. So I'm looking forward to having a chat with Karen D'Souza, who's the Deputy Content Editor at Spinney's Magazine. Karen, great to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So Easter, oh my gosh, it's next week, isn't it? No, yeah, Sunday. This weekend, actually. This weekend. This weekend yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. This week has gone so quickly. I'm, I'm all kind of out of sorts. But yes, so it's Easter Sunday on Sunday. Um, a great uh, excuse to eat lots of chocolate uh, for some. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's always a, a very religious uh, time for others as well. Um, I do have a question about you, Karen, but... Um, uh, yeah, there was, there was always a lot of food and chocolate involved, if I remember correctly. For you too. From my childhood. Yes, <laughs> and me. Yeah, I'm a chocolate to... fiend. Um, <laughs> I've actually been uh, off chocolate for the last forty days for Lent. Have you? Um, so yeah, you? so I can't. I can't wait <laughs> to be back to eating chocolate after my lunch. Every Are you day. having chocolate dreams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to chocolate? Um, it's uh, Yorkie. Is it? I know. It's, yes, it's simple, but yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love Raisin that. And biscuit. That's such a golden oldie, isn't it? A Yorkie. Yeah, it is. They used to be huge when I was younger. They were just, you couldn't yeah. even think about managing one in one go. And I believe initially only they were marketed uh, for boys. to, uh, to That's to, right. Yeah, to boys, yeah. Yes, they were because it gave you muscles. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God, that's just bringing memories back. Oh, I think I'd love to. Let's get that out to the listeners right now as well. I'd love to hear from you. Any of those um, chocolate bars or sweets and things that you used to eat as a child? Let's uh, go have a little trip down memory lane now. Text us in on 4001. Things like a Caramac or a Yorkie or a Finger of Fudge. Do you remember those as well? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, getting carried away. Back to Karen, though, and back to talking about some of these Easter brunch recipes. You've got some wonderful ones to try. Would you like to talk us through um, some of the recipes that you're going to share with us today? Yes, definitely. Um, so we have um, three uh, recipes, and they're actually really easy to throw together, even though they might look intimidating. Uh, the first one was the potato rusty waffles. Um, so, I mean, everybody loves waffles. Waffles, right? And mm. what better to serve for brunch um, than waffles? And we decided to throw in potatoes this time. And the rosti actually is a Swiss uh, dish. It's actually like a big uh, potato pancake. Um, and we've combined it with waffles. So, I mean, and everybody loves potatoes as well, right? I mean, at least I do. I do too. Um, yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> I grew the, up on potatoes. Good Irish girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I love potatoes every in every form. So, um, so the best potatoes to use for this particular recipe would be waxy potatoes um, because they tend to retain their uh, texture a little better than, say, a mashing potato, which would turn to complete mush. Um, and it's important to remember that when you're grating these potatoes, we must remove all the excess moisture. Otherwise, it is going to end up with a soggy waffle at the mm, end. Okay. Um, and yeah, and what's great about this recipe is that the mixture can be made the night before and then stored in the fridge. And the next morning, you can put it into the uh, waffle iron. 
or you can actually make it several days in advance and make the waffles and then freeze them and then on the day just pop them in the toaster and crisp them up. Mm. So um, in just in terms of time saving, it's it's a great recipe to follow. And if and you don't can, have a waffle iron, can you just do it in a frying pan? Yeah, I guess, yeah. But it won't be a waffle anymore. Kind of a, just a... It'll be like a pancake. A yeah. pancake, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then you can jazz it up with um, smoked salmon ribbons. Um, instead of the fried egg, you can make a poached egg. Um, yeah, and you can change up the cheese. It doesn't have to be mature cheddar. You can use feta if you want or Swiss cheese. So yeah, so you can do a lot of stuff with this. Sounds absolutely delicious. I think potatoes are so versatile, aren't they? Um, absolutely. So many different recipes with that. So, I mean, how, would you grate grate it or what would you Yes, do? you have to grate the raw potato and that's how you get a lot of excess liquid coming out. So it's best to like squeeze out as much moisture as possible from it. Because like I said, if you, if you don't, then you're going to end up with a soggy waffle. Mm-hmm. And what would you add um, then to it? Anything at all? That, uh, maybe probably some, some seasoning? Yeah, so it's like salt and pepper and whatever that seasoning you feel like. I mean, you don't have to follow the recipe that we've put together. You can mm. always do your own your own seasoning. But yeah, it's a very basic recipe and it's tasty as well. So that's the best part. Obviously, I just have to mention that these recipes are available, I'm presuming, in your latest Spinney's magazine. Yes, on the Spinney's magazine as well as spinneys.com. Mm-hmm. Great, so it's online as well. I must, yes. uh, I must say, the Spinney's magazine, the photography—they're uh, they're just beautifully produced. They really are. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Really, really inspiring. I think. Um, let's move on. So, potato rosti waffles—if you fancy some of those—they sound fabulous. What about um, the next recipe that you have for us today? So it might sound intimidating, but olive oil uh, confit salmon um, is actually very easy to put together. Um, And it's uh, one of the easiest and best ways to cook salmon because um, salmon tends to dry out quite quickly when you cook it. And there's always a chance of overcooking it. Um, But cooking it uh, at a low temperature um, in olive oil um, sort of retains the moisture. So you so you get like this really beautiful tender salmon and um, it just goes really well with the fennel apple slaw. Mm. Um, and um, this can also be done the day uh, the day before, the night before, and then stored in the fridge in the salmon. I mean, in the olive oil, and served the next day. You just have to bring it back to room temperature and um, then heat it heat it to seventy C. Okay, and what kind of salmon? Just. Um uh, you can use um, you can use um, a salmon fillet. Uh, yeah, that was the word yeah. I was looking for. A salmon yeah. fillet, yeah. <laughs> again, one of my most favourite fish as well. Um, and so, yeah, you could add all sorts of things: apple, as you said, some fennel to add to it. Yeah, and uh, uh, and you can actually, if you if you have oil left over, you yeah. can just use it uh, to cook other seafood. Ah. Um, and it can be stored for about a week uh, in a in a jar in the fridge. Um, yeah, and or you can just drizzle it over salad. So, I mean, it has, it'll have a lovely salmon flavor to it. Um, so, obviously, don't use it to cook, say, something like lamb, because you don't want, lamb, you don't want salmon-flavored lamb. <laughs> no, I, um, I don't quite like the sound of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you have leftover salmon, you can just flake it up and toss it into a pasta. Mm. So, yeah. Do you know what I make with leftover salmon these days? My kids seem to love it. It's um, salmon uh, uh, or fish cakes. So going, oh, going yeah. back to your yeah. trusty potatoes, boil them up, yes. um, poach the salmon, or if like you said if it is left over, then um, mashed potatoes, pop the um, the salmon in, and then just make. I usually make these giant fish cakes and sort of you know the usual flour, yeah. egg, and breadcrumbs, and 
and fry them. Yeah, I don't them. think you can go wrong with that. Yeah, they're absolutely delicious and they're great for, I think, using up, as you said, those leftovers um, and just very simple but hearty and, and, and delicious. So, yeah, give those a go. Yeah. Um, now, this is something hopefully you can help me with. I, I've, I don't know why. I've never been able to master making a perfectly poached egg. They just go all over the pan all the, and I just can't seem to get them together. What's the secret to make a perfectly poached egg? So the secret is adding um, a little clear vinegar to the Aha. water that the uh, eggs are going to be poached in. Right. So um, um, the vinegar adds more acidity to the water, and that helps the egg white to come together faster around the egg yolk. Um, so it doesn't sort of just dissipate into the water. So okay. that's how you get the perfect poached egg. And um, two minutes for soft poached and four minutes for soft to firm. So you, you put the water in the pan, cup, put a, maybe a teaspoon teaspoon of vinegar, yes. is that right? Yeah, about two teaspoons of vinegar. And um, yeah, then once it's simmering, just pop the egg in. So not boiling, just simmering? Yeah, simmering. Okay. Yeah. And any kind of vinegar will do? Clear vinegar because um, that'll have the least uh, sort of flavor. It doesn't it doesn't impact the flavor of the egg, whereas other types might. Right. Okay. So just a white yeah. sort of white vinegar. Yeah, a clear distilled vinegar. Yeah. Right. I'm going to give that a go this weekend. That is on my agenda to try. I'll try and see if I can do it, Karen. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys only on Dubai Eye One Hundred Three Point Eight. Good afternoon. I'm Siobhan Layden. I'm sitting in for Helen today. We're joined on the line by Karen DeCesar, who's the Deputy Content Editor at Spinney's Magazine. And um, what are you up to this weekend? Have you got lots of cooking planned? Um, actually, I'm going to be cooking with a friend of mine, um, and we're probably going to be hosting um, Easter lunch on Saturday. Oh, lovely. At her place. Yeah, what so, will you make? Uh, the, cake, um, the cake is my, my um, forte, so... I'm going to be uh-huh. baking the Easter fault line cake for my magazine. That sounds right. So what's, where's, what's the sort of history between that? What, what, what's it called, a fault line cake? So it's a, a sort of a new trend. Um, it was first noticed in around um, 2018, 2019, where the middle of the cake is sort of exposed. So you have two layers, say uh, two eight-inch layers, and between that is another um, smaller, smaller layer. So um, it's about six inches. Um, so that uh, sort of looks like the cake broken in between. Is it like and a piñata cake? Um, Is that what you call it? No. No, it's just called the fault line cake, oh, okay. as far as I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so the the middle is always the middle is always exposed, um, and you can and, and you can like decorate it in whichever way you want. Um, so okay. so yeah, so you can uh, frost it, and then the middle can be decorated with um, either fruit or with um, sprinkles. And in this case, we've used uh, chocolate speckled eggs. Sounds lovely. And what uh, kind of sponge do you use? So th- we've used uh, carrot cake actually. So um, it sort of like ties in with the whole. Um, I mean, I, I just love carrot cake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, you can swap out the pecans for walnuts if you don't like pecans. Um, yeah, just just a beautiful, uh, very uh, lovely moist uh, cake uh, with a fine crumb. Um, oh, and, and the cream cheese has a has a tang to it because we've added uh, lime juice to it. Oh, really? Okay. What kind of yeah. juice did you add? Lime juice. Lime juice. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine that gives it a nice tang, doesn't it, to go with the sweetness of the cake? Yeah. Yeah. And then add some speckled eggs, and get you can get your chocolate fix through the eggs there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so when are you? So you're making that for the weekend, are you? 
Yes, I am on. Um, I'll actually start doing it Friday night, make the layers a, a day in advance. Um, and it's just easier to frost a cold cake because okay. um, frosting sets uh, on, upon contact with the cake. Um, and also, you're not going to uh, have like cake crumbs all over the place. Mm. Yeah, don't make the mistakes that I generally do. I sort of leave it to the last minute and you're trying to frost a, a warm cake. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, good luck with that. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, and what's next? Some bunny pancakes, possibly for the kids, and maybe some kids treats. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's such a fun thing to do with uh, with kids. I remember I loved making pancakes when I was a little girl, mm. um, and I think this will just be a fun way to get the kids excited about breakfast um, on, on over the weekend. Um, and you can just like um, mix it up. You don't have to use blueberries or, or you know a strawberry. You can use banana. You can use whipped cream. Or anything. You know, it's um, just just be creative and uh, change it up. And yeah. What kind of uh, pancakes? Do you just go for the traditional ones? Um, the traditional pancake, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, I think that we all have our own basic recipes. Um, so, and in this and this one actually, you can make all you can put all the dry ingredients together a day in advance, um, and then and when you want to make it, just add the wet ingredients, store it in a big jar, and add the wet ingredients mm. to the jar and shake it up. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so that's a good little tip. Yeah, mm, yeah, um, and I suppose you could also go a little bit uh, off piste and. You could make fluffy pancakes or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been making some banana and oat... Oats pancakes, which are really yummy, with some. If, Those are good. Yes, I, I love um, banana yeah. and oat pancakes, mm. and even with oats, oat milk as well. So if you are yeah. dairy free, yeah. or maybe you have a gluten intolerance, or there are so many recipes, aren't there, for pancakes? Um, yeah, that you can add, make a little compote to go with it, um, and I think they're wonderful. My kids love making them, and they're, they're quite easy to do. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was making them when I was around. I think 10 was the first time I started making my own Were pancakes. <laughs> Actually, my mom couldn't keep me out of the kitchen because I, I was very interested in baking. So I used to be in there <laughs> pottering around. <laughs> so it sounds like you're, you sort of uh, sway towards more the, the sweet side to the savoury. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, I absolutely, I mean, yeah, I love sweets. <laughs> <laughs> um, so along with your wonderful cake that you're about to make, uh, will you be doing any Rice Krispie cakes possibly for your friends as well? Um, uh, I can't say I will, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good, that's a good way, another good recipe to get uh, the kids. kids involved with. Yeah, yeah, and uh, all the kids can actually just melt the Rice Krispies um, in the microwave, so, um, and, and that's just easier. Um, and uh, you can uh, also just melt the, um, cho- the white chocolate in the microwave as well instead of melting it over a double boiler. That might be a little difficult for kids yeah. if they're trying the recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very easy, just four minutes in the microwave uh, on a low setting and um, stir every 30 seconds. And then just mix it in with the Rice Krispies or even the cornflakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, hey, voila, there you go. You've got some Rice Krispie cakes. You could also perhaps add in some raisins maybe or... You can, yeah, you can use anything you want to decorate uh, with and uh, it's very versatile. Oh, it all sounds fantastic. I'm not sure I'm going to get through this show, actually. I might have to <laughs> nip out and have something <laughs> need to, to get eat. a little, like, yeah, yes. break. <laughs> sounds fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today, Karen, for some really Thank inspiring you. and uh, wonderful recipes. Have a lovely Easter. Good luck with you your fault-lined cake. And, of course, uh, pick up a copy of the Spinney's magazine if you're interested to find out more about these recipes. Or, of course, you can also go online. Thank you very much. 
You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Well, up next, I'd like to introduce our next guest. We are going to be talking with Shefa Al-Amari, who's a clinical dietitian at the Cleveland Clinic in Abu Dhabi. We're going to be decoding some nutritional labels. Um, some of them can be tricky and overwhelming. And uh, so we're showing you how, in fact, you can decipher those words. What do they mean? And numbers and words to keep your diet in check. If you've ever wondered what's behind these health buzzwords, also like organic, natural and hormone-free, what do they all mean? Well, we're going to tell you exactly, and uh, we'll also be uh, lots more questions for our guests. And of course, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to join in the conversation today, you can also always text in on 4001. A very good afternoon to you, Shefa. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good afternoon, Siobhan. Thank you for having me, and uh, happy Easter to everyone who celebrates it. And thank you, and to you too. And it's just—it's such a mind-boggling world, actually, out there. I mean, I—I I am a—I must—I I totally admit it. I am a complete label reader. Um, I always like like to read the labels. I like to know what I'm eating. I like to know what's in it. But you know what? Most of the time, I, you know, I can't decipher it. I don't. I can't read the words for a start. Um, and someone, someone—I uh, think it was someone I spoke to a while back had told me, if you can't read it, don't eat it, <laughs> which I thought was quite interesting because. It is really quite baffling, isn't it? It is. It is one of the most confusing areas, uh, especially when you don't come from like a nutrition background and uh, you, you'll find yourself having no idea what, what things to look for and what does the serving size mean? What does Is this too much calories or is this too little? Um, uh, is this too much fat or too much sugar? Um, I, I face it a lot with uh, like patients, families, uh, family members, friends, um, even me as a dietitian, sometimes it is challenging, especially with these words that are usually used as part of the manufacturing process, um, some chemical words that are additives uh, used to food. Mm. Um, so it is a confusing area, and it's very, I'm, I'm very happy and pleased that we are going to be tackling this, uh, yeah. this topic today. You're absolutely right, and I do think a lot of it is just marketing buzz, isn't it? I mean, it was interesting earlier, I just found this little simple quiz online, um, which had lots of questions about, uh, you know, asking questions about food and what do you think it means and what do you think these buzzwords mean. And, you know, such things, let me just give you, give you an example. Yeah. Um, one of them was, what does farm fresh mean? Which is something we see on a lot of food these days, farm fresh. But actually, do you know, it doesn't really mean anything. Apparently, it's a, it's a marketing term to, meant to sound healthy, um, but it doesn't actually really mean anything, if you know what I mean. Then we've also got terms as or, organic, free-range, cage-free, pasture-raised, multi-grains, you know, all these different things. Perhaps you'd like to take mm-hmm. us through a few now that we can decipher or, or, or decode. One of the, let's speak about the, the words. Yeah. So, yeah, basically when you said multigrain, like uh, some people think, oh, multigrain, that's, that's what I should look for. But multigrain is basically just different grains. Uh, uh, like you can see wheat, barley, millet, but it doesn't mean that this grain is whole. Uh, whole, for example, doesn't have the, um, the, she- the shell that has most of the nutrients and the fiber. Mm. Uh, so I would usually look for whole grain instead of just a multigrain. Uh, when I choose bread or any uh, other product, yeah. um, things like natural just it just mean that it wasn't made in a lab or a biochemist. It doesn't mean that this thing is because sugar can be natural, salt, uh, oil can be natural. It doesn't mean that this 
product is healthy. It just means that it wasn't mm. synthetic, basically, or artificial. I think that is a really good one to bring up. Thanks for, for saying that. I think natural, because there's a buzzword, isn't it? Um, it is one of those words that people, you know, you want to feel healthy, you're a bit more conscious about what you're eating. Do you read the word natural? You think, ah, okay, yeah. this is okay. But actually, as I, I, I think I'd read also that um, apparently there isn't a legal FDA definition of all natural. Again, it's another marketing word oftentimes. Um, and if you break it down, it doesn't necessarily re- really mean that much at all. True. Um, they say, while the agency says it's wrong to label foods as natural if they contain artificial colour, flavour or synthetic additives, um, it leaves the door wide open for hydrogenated oils, pesticides and antibiotics, among others. Um, I think another one also is this hydrogenated oils or fats. Um, Perhaps Mm -hmm. you could talk us through maybe some of those words that uh, we might be unsure about. Yes, so hydrogenated oils are basically um, oils that are um, transformed to a solid uh, form. They usually stand uh, up the oxidation process. They they, um, prevent food from going bad quickly. Uh, unfortunately, this process of transferring oil to solid form um, creates something called trans fat, which is one of the worst fats that we can have in our diet. Uh, actually, the recommendation is to have less than 1% of uh, trans fat in your diet, which is almost like zero. Mm. Um, so um, I would say hydrogenated fat is one, of the, uh, is one of the things that if it was found in a product, just try to avoid it and not have it at all. Right. Okay. That's good to know. So let's uh, look out for that and um, try not to buy something with hydrogenated uh, fats in it. Now, in, in your work as a clinical dietitian, are you fi- feeling that people are getting quite confused and just not really sure about what they should be eating? I mean, we, we, we're sort of thrown so much information these days, aren't we, from what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat. One day we should eat it, the next day we shouldn't eat it. Do you find there's a lot of confusion going on? Um, there is, yes, there, but we need to know our basics, what are the things that uh, we, most of us need to do, need to eat, and what are the things that will come and go, uh, as you said, these uh, things that uh, are healthy one day and then the, sec- the next day they, are, they become the, the worst thing you can have. Um, so I, I, like, I like to teach people the basics, mm. uh, how much sugar you can have, how much oil you can have, what type of oil, what type of sugar. And then things like superfoods uh, are things that are just for marketing purposes and they are just part of a healthy, health, whatever healthy diet you can eat, two fruits a day and three types of vegetables is usually yeah. what would give you most of your nutrients. It's not the superfoods or the added um, uh, nutrients that uh, you can use um, that's really interesting you, you say that, actually, because, again, that is very much a buzzword, isn't it? The superfoods and the acai and the goji berries. And, you know, yes, they are great, but they're not going to make you super healthy if you eat lots of them. As you said, it's just about exactly. moderation and eating some fresh, mm-hmm. healthy vegetables and fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? I think another thing, actually, which I personally find quite tricky is the percentage of fats and sugars. Um, and as I understand it, they've just uh, revamped the labels. Is that correct? Because they, these labels have been around for, for many, many years, and they've just been changed and possibly made to, to be more user-friendly or reader-friendly. Yeah, so basically they were uh, all written in very small fonts that would make it very challenging for the consumer to read or to, uh, to know what to look for exactly. 
they have changed it in a way to make it more bold, uh, larger font, uh, which makes it easier for the consumer to know what exactly to focus on. So things like how much calories this um, this packaging will give you, uh, what are the serving size, how much is the serving size, how much nutrients uh, does this food contain, uh, you'll find the percentage of the daily values written in bold uh, font as well, which makes it very easy for the consumer. But the problem is we still don't have this awareness of what exactly to look for. Mm-hmm. So usually I, I like um, um, I like for people to know exactly what are the steps uh, they need to look for. Uh, the first one would be looking at the ingredients. So before looking at whatever claim that this product uh, is telling you, you have to turn and learn. So look at your ingredients. Um, usually the ingredients are uh, uh, placed in a way that is in a descend- descending order of uh, the, one, the highest to the lowest quantity. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when you look at the first three ingredients, the, they, those who what makes the most uh, quantity of your product. So try to avoid things if it had any refined grain, any added sugar or hydrogenated oil in the first three ingredients. Just uh, know that this is not a healthy product to go for. Right. Um, and the longest the list is, actually the more processed uh, this product is, so just avoid it. So anything more than 10, 20 ingredients is something that you don't need in your life. Um, <laughs> exactly. I love um, that, yeah. You just don't need it in your life. <laughs> you don't need it because if, if, it's, if it's a fresh fruit, it doesn't have a label, right? Mm. Um, so when you look for labeling, just minimize the ingredients as much as possible. The first three ingredients are the things you will look for. Um, if they are any of the ones I mentioned, refined grains, added sugar, or hydrogenated oil, then mm. just leave it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, oh, what about palm oil? What's your thoughts on palm oil? I know that's possibly more even more of an environmental issue, but uh, we do find yeah, that in everything these days. It's not, yeah, it is bad from an environmental standpoint, but it's also uh, has a lot of unsaturated fats. Uh, um, so, and, sorry, saturated fats, uh, which is the, the worst kind of fat that you can have, and as much as you can um, mm. eliminate it from your diet as possible, it would be great. All right. Thank you so much, Safa. I mean, just a, a, a short and brief in, insight, but some really interesting um, information I think you've shared with us today. Just to, I suppose, just to rethink and think about what you're eating. Think about the labels. And you said just look at the first few ingredients. If there's any more than 10, then you don't need it. And, and usually it it's must be massively processed and, and probably not that good for you. Um, but uh, yeah, great to talk to you today, Shefa Al-Amari, clinical dietitian at the Cleveland Clinic in Abu Dhabi. This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's on Dubai Eye 103.8. A very good afternoon. Thanks for joining the show today. I'm Siobhan Laden. I'm sitting in for Helen. Up next, I'd like to introduce our next guest, Mufadal Hussein, who's an eating designer at Frying Pan Adventures. Mufadal, great to have you on the line. Hi, Sean. It's great to be here. I've, just, I've got to ask you, before we, before we talk about mangoes, <laughs> which is what we're going to do, you're an eating designer. What does that mean? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, uh, as an eating designer, I try to come up with new ways to experience food. Uh, my focus is usually more on dining interactions rather than the food per se. I think chefs do food well enough. Um, so it's all about figuring out new ways to have human interactions around food. Mm. Uh, it's about using food as a medium uh, 
for cultural narratives like I do with Frank Pan Adventures. Yeah. Or for other activities like icebreaking experiences and stuff like that. Absolutely love it. That I mean, realistically though, has that been quite challenging um, over the past year? Uh, yes, um, we do tasting tours uh, with Frank Pan Adventures uh, in the uh, in Old Dubai, and uh, honestly, with the hit that tourism has taken over the past year, it's been pretty difficult. Mm. Uh, we were doing kind of well in uh, December; things looked to be getting better. But because of rising numbers, we paused the tours for the safety of our guides and guests both. Uh, but we're hopeful. We're yep. hoping that uh, later this year we'll be able to resume once things improve and we have a majority of people vaccinated. I really hope so. I think Frying Pan Adventures is just so unique. It's so fantastic. I've I've um, met a number of your, your team. They're just so enthusiastic. They've got so much knowledge to share. I'm a massive fan of you guys. So... Good luck to all of you, and yeah, I hope, I hope, I hope everything come, you know, comes back, and, and we can, can continue those fantastic food adventures to some just parts of Dubai that you never knew existed, and to uh, sort of enjoy some of those wonderful um, foods that, again, you might never have the opportunity to do so, like Afghani bread or Ethiopian <laughs> food. I mean, they're just wonderful. Um, yeah. but of course, today we're talking about mangoes, one of my favourite fruits, actually. What about you? Yeah, it's, I I couldn't think of anything better to talk about right now. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're right at the start of the season, and uh, there's so many uh, varieties coming in that uh, you know I'm looking forward to trying each and every one of them. Really, mango mania, yeah. mango madness, and I love the fact that you said um, the season because you know, of course, we we are ex- extraordinarily fortunate when we when we wander around the supermarkets these days to just yes. have fruit from all over the world and vegetables and from any season i mean i have these wonderful memories of of mango season and my mum would buy me a big mango and i literally it was an annual treat it was just such a treat for me whereas now you know you can walk into a supermarket at any any month any day of the year and and you will find a mango but i don't know what what do you think about that do you do you still believe in seasonal fruits do you think they do taste better when they're in season absolutely um like like you said like you know we get mangoes from uh throughout the year over here from around the world. But, um, like, mangoes are still highly seasonal as a as a fruit, like, unlike, unlike other tropical fruits, like, say, bananas, which you can get around the year, mangoes are kind of between tropical and subtropical. So they only uh, uh, come during this very particular window still from India. Mm. And um, I think that that's part of the appeal of them. Uh, because once, uh, so we just had Holi go by, and usually in India and over here, uh, after Holi, I think the next kind of sort of unspoken, like our um, uncharacterized festival that we're looking for is a mango festival kind of. You know, we're all, after Holi, it's all about mangoes, waiting really? for mangoes. And yeah, it's not a festival, but like, you know, you, you treat it as like that at home. It's it's always exciting when that first box of mangoes comes home, you open it, uh, and even when you have a box of mangoes in the house, the house is filled with the scent of mangoes. Mm. So it's something that we always look forward to. I think it's it's part of the appeal of mangoes that they're uh, so highly seasonal that you don't get them throughout the year. I think it makes us revere them more. Yeah. Uh, you makes you love them more that's it i totally agree i think just when you've got to look forward to something and when they taste like they just taste so much better than than having them any time you want and 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 you know that they're going to go away soon so you're going to try and (laughs) eat as many as you can can. (laughs) have you got fond memories as a child um sounds like it anyway of sort of opening that first box of mangoes 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, mangoes are, uh, they're, they're only here in summer, right? And, uh, you know, it's uh, usually when you have summer vacations in India. And so they're associated with that kind of child childhood memories of like, you know, being at home and eating them, but also like, you know, kind of, uh, I think uh, one of the memories that our parents have, like, uh, it's kind of like stealing mangoes from trees and stuff like that. But yeah. one of my uh, most cherished memories is like when my parents would cut a mango um, for us at home. One of the most uh, favorite things was to get the stone of the mango because we would get to like, you know, kind of eat, eat that stone of the mango. Part of it, it's like not of not wanting to waste anything from the mango. But also, it's this very kind of tactile experience. It's such a fun experience. And you've got to eat it. It's kind of like fried chicken. You've got to do it with your hands. And uh, your hands and lips are going to get very messy. Is it worth it? Totally worth Absolutely. it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, it's just a fun experience. I'm, I'm laughing also because it's exactly what my kids do and it is a treat in our house and I'll cut it and I cut the sides, I cut like one half like from the, yeah. each side of the, the stone and then they're like, oh, can I have the stone? It was It's like a real competition <laughs> who gets the stone because that is the, the juiciest. Yeah, we would fight over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, fabulous. Sure. But let, let's sort of backtrack a little bit because the mangoes, I mean, they have yeah. got a really interesting history which I had no idea about. Perhaps you'd like to... Talk us through that, yeah. a little bit about the history of them. Yeah, so, Mangoes are indigenous to India. They've been known for like 4,000 years, uh, like since 2000 BC at least. We have records that mangoes have been grown in India. And uh, they're from a tree which is related uh, to the cashew. So it's from that family mm-hmm. of... Uh, yeah, so you would never think that mangoes and cashews are related, but yeah, they're like distant cousins. And uh, they're, uh, they're, because they've been around India for so long, they've become parts of uh, our myths and legends. Uh, so on the origins of mango, where it came around, there's this one legend uh, which uh, says that it, it there was a, the daughter of the sun god who transformed uh, into a golden lotus to escape an evil sorceress. Uh, well, she was being harassed by her and she just transformed to escape her. Mm. And she, the king of the land found this lotus and fell in love with it, uh, just its beauty and its color. But when the sorceress heard about this golden lotus, she knew exactly what it was. And she went and burnt the lotus to ashes. However, fortunately, from the ashes sprang a mango tree. And uh, when the ripe fruit from the tree fell to the ground, out stepped the goddess, who then fell in love with and married the king. So yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's it's a legend, but it also kind of shows you that association that mangoes have with the summer. Like, in fact, um, in India, we believe that the hotter the summer, the sweeter the mangoes. Ah. So yeah, <laughs> that's really wonderful to have a bit of history. And I had no idea they were around for so many years. It's incredible, isn't it? Yes, it's absolutely. It's it's one of uh, uh, there there are records of emperors, uh, you know, as uh, kind of planting mango groves as gifts to people of different regions. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very it's got a lot of cultural significance as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and and there are so many different different kinds. I mean, that that's what really amazes me. I mean, from from all over the world, uh, you know, from Brazil, you have Australia, you've got obviously the yeah. Indian, uh, Sri Lankan ones. I'm I'm sorry, are I, I like these I high mangoes. One of my favorites. Egyptian, Kenyan. Really, as well, yeah. All different yeah. prices, all different yeah. looks, um, shapes, yeah. and sizes. Um, so, what are the various? Maybe you can take me through some of some of those different ones. Yeah, so the reason that uh, mangoes come in very different varieties is because many people don't know this, but mangoes don't grow true to seed. 
Mm. Um, so when you take a mango and you seed and you plant it, it basically becomes a different variety of mango because they're pollinated from male and female uh, trees. Huh. Uh, or rather, the female trees are pollinated by pollen from male trees. So yeah, so most mangoes are actually pro- uh, mango varieties. To preserve a mango variety, you have to propagate the plant. And so so you have these many varieties. Um, like uh, over here in Dubai, we we get a number of varieties from India. Most of them are named after a particular characteristic uh, that they have. Uh, like you have badami. Badami are known for their almond-like shape. Uh, you have sindri, which comes from the province of Sindh, which is now part of Pakistan. So And chausa, which are revered in Punjab. And uh, the only kind of Indian variety which is named after a person is uh, Alfonso, the most famous mango variety from India. Um, it's uh, it's one of the most awaited mango varieties that we have. I'm going to put you on and... the spot, though. Sorry to do this, but do you know the story <laughs> behind who is Alfonso? Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be a mango expert if I didn't tell you that. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so... Um, uh, Alfonso mangoes are named after uh, uh, Alfonso de Albuquerque. I hope I'm saying the name, or Albuquerque. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm saying the last name right. So he was a Portuguese general and uh, administrator who was responsible for uh, kind of stabilizing the Portuguese colony in uh, India around Goa. And so this mango variety was named after him. Oh. Uh, yeah, and that's where it comes from. So it, it's uh, the most famous type of, the, the best uh, type of Alfonso mangoes are said to come from uh, this place called Ratnagiri, which is in the south of Maharashtra, close to Goa. Oh. So so that's where these mangoes come, uh, the wow. best ones are said to come from. Interesting uh, message come through as well um, from... Uh, oh, no name on there, saying, when you say Indian, I hope you're also including Pakistani mangoes. Um, Anwar Ratol mangoes are probably the best mangoes ever. Well, thank you very much for that. Have you heard of those ones, uh, Mufadal? Yes, uh, Anwar Ratol are available here as well mm. uh, when they hit. And yes, when I'm talking about Indian, I'm talking about Indian and Pakistani mangoes because uh, most of these varieties are available from both uh, in India and Pakistan. Sindri and Chausa being the other Pakistani varieties, which are pretty famous. Anwar Ratol, yes. Uh, I haven't had one recently, but yeah, they are pretty good as well. Mm. So maybe this season, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll look out for those ones as well. Um, of course, it's not just about eating them raw. I mean, there are some incredible dishes as well that you can include uh, with, the, or the mangoes can be included. Um, mango smoothies, mango lassi, or you could do more of a savoury one. Do you know what? I do feel, though, if you've got a really ripe mango, I just want to eat it. I don't want to mess around and put it in something. I just want to eat it. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, so So we, we love eating raw ones as well. And, for example, Indian Street Food Chart frequently uses the raw ones as well. But like you said, when you have a ripe mango at its prime, you really don't want to mess with it because it's got its own distinct flavor. It's got its, it's got a lovely texture. So you don't want to mess around too much with that. Uh, desserts, uh, I think the... Uh, the one thing that we might do with a mango, apart from cutting it and eating it, is we might turn it into a pulp mm. uh, with a little bit of milk. Uh, sugar, if your mango is the best, you won't need that. Or maybe a little bit of sugar. And then you just uh, give it a dash of milk or cream and you turn it into pulp. And you eat that with puris, which are these puffed um, breads that mm. you would have eaten in an Indian thali. Another good way... 
uh, to eat it is in desserts. So like think of an eaten mess maybe, but instead of strawberries, you use mangoes. Uh, or maybe on top of a pavlova. Um, or uh, you can make like a mango delight with uh, a biscuit base, some whipped cream, mangoes, and then grate over some chocolate. I prefer a kind of fruity, dark variety too. But nothing that will overpower the mango, just a little bit. Yeah, a little Sprinkled hint. on top. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is. Like, I'm going to have to eat one after this. I'm going to go straight to the shop, go and buy one. I might actually still have one in the fridge. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> what's the one as well which I love is that sticky rice with mango on. That is delicious. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I think it's a Thai. Is it a Thai Thai dish? That's possibly. a Thai mango. Yes, that's a Thai mango, and it's quite distinct in its uh, own characteristics. Uh, I love Thai mango as well. Uh, but I think again, Thai mangoes also have a particular season. Yeah. So uh, what I what I love about it is that uh, all these varieties they come one after the other through the season, and you get a chance to try all of them. And mm-hmm. I r- really encourage people to not um, stick to any singular variety. There there are and uh, you, there are so many different varieties to explore and appreciate for their own characteristics. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. It was interesting. We were driving back. I think it was from Hatter a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, you see these uh, uh, guys on the side of the road selling the most incredible fruit. I mean, you feel like you're, I don't know where, but you're, you're in the middle of the desert and they, they open the back of their van and it's just this incredible <laughs> yeah. tropical fruit. So I'm like, where did they, where did they just come from? Did they just like come from Africa or something? I don't know. Um, but they grow mangoes in the UAE, which I, which I really didn't know. Yes, they do. So so in Fajera and Ras al-Khaimah and even in Liva, and not just the UAE, but also in Oman as well, yeah. there are mangoes uh, being grown. Um, they have their own unique flavor and uh, they are, uh, the raw ones especially, are used primarily in the local or Khaliji versions of achar. And mango achar is very popular in, in the Gulf. So uh, the ripe ones are eaten as is, but the raw ones get used in uh, pickles as well. Oh, sorry, what's an achar? Yeah, achar. Achar is the subcontinental word, but it's also used in the Gulf. Uh, and surprisingly, it's also used in the Philippines. Oh. So it's used to indicate a pickle. A pickle may, usually made from raw fruit, tangy, salty. Right. Yeah, actually, someone's just, uh, one of our, someone's texting in saying green mangoes are amazing in chutneys and pickles and marinades. Mm. Absolutely. That's the best way to enjoy green mangoes. Right. And uh, one particular interesting way to do green mangoes is as a drink. We make a drink called uh, Ampanna in the subcontinent. And that's where you roast the green mangoes. And then once they cool down, uh, you remove the pulp and you'll add spices uh, and a bit of black salt to them. Wow. Uh, yeah, and so that's a kind of a salty drink. When I say spice, I don't mean like hot spices like chili or garam masala. I mean like uh, like cumin, chiefly cumin, but also black salt. And you'll mix this in and it makes for a wonderful hydrating summertime drink because mm. you're losing electrolytes when you sweat. And this is the best way to get back some electrolytes and also refresh yourself. Oh, sounds fantastic. It's been wonderful to talk to you this afternoon, Mufadal. Thank you so much for your mango insights. And uh, all I want to do now is just go and eat some mangoes, which I will do after the show. Thank you so much for joining us on the programme. Thank you for having me, Siobhan. It was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> all the very best. That was Mufadal Hussein there, who's an eating designer at Frying Pan Adventures. Do check them out. They're such a wonderful company, Frying Pan Adventures. Hopefully they'll be back up and running and some of these wonderful food tours that they do. But they're so knowledgeable, so interesting. Interesting, a really, really wonderful gang. Frying Pan Adventures. 
You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Up next, it's all about food today. So we're going to be talking to head chef of the wonderful award-winning Mediterranean restaurant, Boca. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Good afternoon. That's right. Chef uh, Mattis uh, Stinnison, I hope I'm saying that correctly. We'll get him to say it for us when we uh, have a chat. He's head chef at award-winning Mediterranean restaurant Boca over there at DIFC. is joining us now on the line. Can, um, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us, Mattis. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show. I've got loads of questions for you. We're looking forward to having a chat with you. Known for your deep understanding of local ingredients and also adapting to the varying palettes of the UAE market. Um, We're going to find out really about what you've been up to, your food philosophy, the new menu over at Boca, and also what's happening during Restaurant Week. Um, As I mentioned, you're also winner of the favourite European restaurant at the Fact Dining Awards in Dubai 2020. And now I think you're really pushing the boundaries when it comes to food, sourcing locally, innovative menus, um, which we will discuss today. But I'd also, actually, if I may, first off, just go back a little bit, go back to your roots, uh, Matthias, um, in Holland. Uh, I'd love to find out a little bit about your first food inspirations and your first food memories, please. My first memories in food? Uh, I think that's my mom's casserole. Okay. And what was that? What was, What was so special about it? I don't know, I think maybe it was the time of day where she always used to cook it and then the whole house used to smell after that. Because uh, mm. my mom, is a, uh, she's a good cook. Uh, so she always did her best for the family to put like a nice meal on the table. And, um, and so we always grew, yeah, me, me and my brother grew up like with always nice food. So as from uh, yeah, children on, uh, we already were like hooked up to food. And we always went out to for restaurants, uh, just no, not like high-end restaurants, but like casual restaurants, like in the area for dinner. So we were already, uh, yeah, our culinary palate was already very young developed. Yeah. And you started very young, didn't you, about the age of 14. Is that right? When you were, well, I suppose you, you knew that that's what you wanted to do. You knew that that was what your career was going to be. Yeah, that's correct. 14 it was. <laughs> <laughs> and where was your first, uh, what, what did you do? What, what was your first sort of experience in terms of it being in the kitchen? So, uh, so in high school, we had to choose in the last two years, like uh, the main direction, what we wanted to do uh, in terms of like, uh, yeah, what direction in, uh, yeah, in, um, I say in society. So like uh, you could choose like go to healthcare, um, administration and uh, trade. Uh, or you go to mechanical technique, electrotechnique, and then, of course, it was hospitality, bakery, and tourism. Mm. So I decided to pick that, and I was, at the time, 14 years old. And um, so basically, my dad helped me to write an amazing application for, like, an internship for two weeks. So that w- went to, out to Castel uh, Engelberg, which means, cast- yes, yeah, like, a, like a massive uh, castle in my uh, hometown. And there's an amazing golf course, an amazing uh, high-end restaurant, um, not not really on Michelin, uh, not Michelin star rated, but it was on the in the guide. And after the two week internship, the uh, executive chef came to me and he offered me directly a uh, like a part time job, and that's it. Just took on from there. So <laughs> you I went never there uh, back. after school. <laughs> I never looked back. No, and for me, then that was the moment I was totally hooked to it. Amazing. What was it about it? What was it about just being in the kitchen, working with food? 
uh, can, I don't know, can you sort of maybe explain to us what, what was it that's just hooked you on it and then has kept you on it? I'm not going to ask your age right now, but, you know, but has kept you hooked and obviously still working hard and still delivering these incredible menus. I think it's the amazing produce because I remember like my internship, it was when I had to stand for eight hours on the first day. And I remember the second day I was in bed and I was like, I, do, I don't really want to go anymore because everything was paining my feet, my legs, my back. So I was totally not used to that. And uh, so in the end, yeah, I have to go. So I just pushed myself to go. And I remember like my, my executive chef at the time, like he always like took the time to show me amazing produce. Then the truffle, uh, the truffle supplier came in and I thought like truffles were those chocolates, but then like, oh, what is this? It was like they're actually the mushroom. So he, as a 14 year old, like he, yeah, he let me taste and explain the whole story. And the same with oysters, same with a lot of uh, produce. So, and then they allow me to do a lot of stuff as well. So like plating and helping on the path and et cetera. And that for me was like my turning point that I was so hooked to it. So doesn't matter what uh, job they gave me, if I had to peel like 100 kilo of potatoes or wash uh, like 50 kg of spinach in the winter while the tap water is like extremely cold or your fingers will fall off. I just kept on going wow. from that point on. So it's just that absolute sort of unfathomable, continuous uh, curiosity about food, isn't it? And that's certainly reflected very much so in the menus that you've been creating, and particularly now over at Boca, which is this fantastic restaurant at the DIFC. And what I really love about your work, I think, um, is, is the fact that you are very, very committed to sourcing local products and to exploring really what the UAE and the, the local environment has to offer in terms of, I suppose, as opposed to just constantly importing and flying in all those vegetables and fruits and meats and uh, produce. Um, so it, it, is it very still challenging or are you seeing that this is a real growing market though to source locally? It, it is still challenging uh, and it's, I see a lot more people also uh, follow, uh, yeah, following what we're doing. And I also have like chefs from, uh, from the UAE also asking me certain questions. Where do I get that? Where do I get this? Uh, it's certainly a very growing market. Uh, Boca has been already been doing it since yeah, like the day they were open, they already try as much as possible to get uh, locally sourced produce, not only for the sustainability, but it's also uh, good for the guests to get introduced to the produce here as much, because a lot of restaurants, they will still import uh, expensive turbot or halibut, uh, etc., and pay like an insane price for it. While we get like amazing hummus from the Gulf or amazing kingfish, and we can actually ask uh, very affordable prices. And I think like due to COVID, like people tend to, yeah, as well, like me, me yeah. for example as well. I don't want to spend that much anymore on a meal. You I know, think you're that, absolutely uh, right. You've really hit the nail yeah. on the head there. I think, you know, sourcing farm, you know, farm to table, this farm to table concept, sourcing locally. And, and for so many good reasons, you mentioned it's sustainable. You're not flying produce in from all over the world. It also supports local businesses um, who absolutely. you know, are also struggling. And I'm presuming as well it's great flavor because you, they don't travel too far. You're, you know, I imagine the, the time from the farm to your table is, is relatively short. Um, so there's so many great reasons reasons to, to to do that I, i'm presuming it's um you know as all restaurants and fmb outlets struggled uh, during the pandemic how's business now are people coming back to the restaurant are you seeing things moving again uh well absolutely like we we like almost every day we're busy we're f- uh, fully booked um obviously with the new restrictions as of last january it, uh, it didn't help that much of course 
for obvious yeah. reasons. Uh, but still, we, we, we manage pretty well. Uh, and we just like, we just keep on doing new things, new events. Uh, now we also participate in Dubai Food Festival. We have like an amazing uh, two or three course menu for 95 mm. dirhams over dessert, 120. Uh, then next week we have a paella master coming from Spain, which was the uh, best paella chef of 2019. So he's going to give a master class. So it's, it's already a limited seat. So I think we're already fully booked on that one. Uh, then we have uh, yeah, two master classes and a dinner. And then we have something amazing uh, coming up on, uh, during Ramadan as well, a special iftar menu. So it's just all about keep on keep on doing doing you know mm. yeah being innovative um i think people are interested in food i think more so now than ever you know there's just this real uh, fascination with food and i think you know looking at local produce how to be creative and innovative with them and i think what you mentioned earlier which is really interesting is just keeping those prices down as well i mean obviously you are located in difc you're in a, in a very prime location but making it potentially accessible and affordable for, for people to, to head down to the restaurant and, and just enjoy. You mentioned their restaurant week and some, a couple of uh, courses which are at a very, very reasonable price. Can you t- tell us a little bit about what's on the menu? So we have uh, yeah, it's all our signature dishes. So we have our snappy salad with Persian feta cheese and a Dijon mustard uh, vinaigrette. Then mm-hmm. there is a uh, local seafood ceviche. So it's all seafood sourced uh, around this region that we make with uh, Agia Mario uh, Tigre de Leche. Uh, and then, uh, it's, yeah, it's like, very spicy. It's a lot of like uh, like umami type flavors in it, like some yuzu that we marinate in that. Then for the main courses, there is a black rice with uh, clams and scallops and mussels. Uh, yeah, it's an Italian black rice. It's called Venera black rice. Mm. Then there is a, our 12-hour braised uh, lamb, which is our signature since, since forever. Um, it has a creamy polenta with rosemary. It has some local desert plants as well because uh, now they are still in season, almost. It's almost over. Then there is a, um, a orecchiette pasta with a, with a green uh, spinach sauce. It's a nice vegetarian pasta dish. And two desserts, a orange cheesecake with saffron and a rice pudding with marinated apricot. Yum. <laughs> All sounds absolutely <laughs> delicious. How long does it take to put these sort of menus together? Um, you must be constantly researching food and finding new products. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's an ongoing process. I think you can compare it a little bit to fashion designers. I think they always keep on thinking of what's next, what's next, what's the next step. You know, so um, we, yeah, well, for me, for example, like inspiration comes from, from anywhere. It could come now, like nowadays, uh, chefs are very well connected via social media. I could maybe like see something inspiring among that. It could be like past experience when I used to work back in Belgium or in Netherlands or an internship I did in Italy. Uh, it could be like like something spontaneous, like a shower thought or like uh, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. Something could just hit me or it could be a dream. It's just, it's, yeah, what I said is an ongoing process. Amazing. Wow. Just constantly yeah. thinking of new innovations and foods. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you this afternoon and an inspiration. Thank you so much. I wish you all the very best with Restaurant Week. And uh, yeah, definitely love to head down to Boca. It's over there at DIFC. Go and enjoy it. Um, support local uh, flavors, support those local um, companies as well. Have a fantastic weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you. Chef Matthias Stinson there, who's the head chef at the award-winning Mediterranean restaurant Boca.
You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Good afternoon. I'm Siobhan Layden sitting in for Helen today. I'm really looking forward to welcoming my next guest, Yasmin Hardy. She's founder of The Honest Badger, uh, which is a mostly plant-based food delivery service based here in Dubai. It's also part of Spinney's Incubator program. Very good afternoon to you, Yasmin. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. I must say, I really love the name. It's brilliant. Absolutely love it. I'd love to find out, first of all, how you came up with it. Uh, So it it kind of stands into two parts, which is the ethos of the brand. Honest represents the food. We only use fresh ingredients. Everything's made from scratch in our kitchen. Badger is just a bit of fun. I felt that there's a lot of healthy brands, which are synonyms of health or kale or green. And I I want it to be, yes, the food is healthy, but it's it's also fun. It's exciting food to eat. And that's where we want to add a bit of whimsy to it. So our logo, the badger, has got a little pink bow tie on it. He's a bit fancy. No, it's brilliant. So uh, you've got quite an interesting story, and I'd love it for you to share with us today. So you, or I should say, how does a geologist who used to work on an oil rig start a food delivery company? Oh, well, um, it, it stems from cooking and food and just wellness has, has always been one of my lifelong passions. I've, I've always loved it. And uh, I studied, obviously, geology at university. And when I, when I joined the oil and gas industry, there was a, a downturn. And the, the industry itself changed while I was working there. And I, I really, I couldn't see a future for myself. So I, I really wanted to make a career change. I thought if I'm going to be changing my career anyway, why not do something I've always loved, I've always been passionate about, and really take a bit of a chance and follow my dream. But it wasn't a quick, a quick change. Uh, I took a year to try and understand what, what I wanted to do in, in the food space. And that's and that and obviously come up with the brand and concept of Honest Badger. It's taken a while to get there, but yeah, I just I'm very very glad I made that that career decision when I did. Really, so absolutely no no regrets at all. No, absolutely not. As much as I love loved being on an oil rig as the only women on hundred with hundred and fifty men, I'm very happy to be uh, to be to not be on one. Do you know what? That's a whole other story, love, which I'd love to yeah, talk to you about someday. But let's yeah. let's go back to the food. <laughs> you said you've always been interested in food. You've always loved um, maybe experimenting food, enjoying food. But it, was this sort of the first time that you you sort of really went into it as a serious career change? Yeah, absolutely. I've um, that, this is the first the first time I've ever gone into it with looking looking at, with a food focus. Um, so I've I've come at it from a very different angle than people who have obviously been in F and B for a long time. But I think. That brings a unique perspective of in terms of creating dishes and recipes. You tend to not follow maybe the standard rules. So what we love to do is take classic food that you love, like shepherd's pie or lasagna, and then add that healthy, you know, plant-based twist onto it, which is something a, a little different. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's been it's been good. And um, so there's your your company's obviously got uh, different sides to it. You, you're a delivery service as well, aren't you? So you can, uh, as I understand it book or reserve your meals and they get delivered to you but you also can buy your meals in store is that right yeah exactly so we have uh, two different streams so one is the meal is our meal plans all our meal plans are dairy wheat and refined sugar free and that's people you can order online and we deliver fresh every day they're protein and vegan options and then we have our spinney's retail range which is all plant-based fresh ready meals why did you decide to go down the plant-based route? I mean, it's it's becoming quite a crowded uh, market now, isn't it? I mean, from being quite novel a few years back to it seems that that is the real trend right now. I think it's a growing growing demand for it. I think a lot of people are looking at a more plant-based diet. It's one of the things that the Human Health Organization recommends to eating more plant-based. So we wanted to help people, encourage people to do that. So I don't think it's necessarily a case of completely giving up any aspect of food. I don't believe in that at all. But it's more just eating, you know, 
eating a plant-based meal every now and then or meat-free Mondays, that, that side of it. Mm. And yes, there's a lot of companies, but I feel our key differentiator, especially in the retail space, is that we make fresh ready meals, which is a, a lot of the vegan stuff at the moment is in the freezer section or it's, or it's snacks. So ours is all fresh, fresh chef-prepared meals only ingredients that you would recognize that you could you could make that like, you can you can pick up the ingredients in, in the tiny store as well so that's where we really set ourselves apart mm. yeah i think that's a really interesting comment point because i'm i must admit personally i eat quite a lot of plant-based or well say non-meat mm-hmm. products and you know just looking at the ingredients sort of a lot of these plant-based foods or the burgers or the sausages or whatever it is the the alternatives the meat alternatives i was really quite shocked actually of how processed a lot of them are and so you know i think you have to really sort of plow through all that um those ingredients and plow through all that marketing to actually really understand what you're eating you know is it just highly processed food or is it actually any healthier for you? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, I think personally, I think the meat substitutes are great. They definitely serve a purpose. But I, you know, whether you can eat, you want to eat that every day, that's, that's the customer's decision. Our recipes are using beans and grains and legumes and fresh vegetables and, you know, herbs and spices, which I, I felt that, like you said, there, there's not a lot of that now. And everything is a lot of what's out there is freezer ready. Yeah very processed because uh, I mean how, how else you, you you have to use a process to create a plant-based meal that has the texture of chicken uh, there's obviously got to be a little process in there for that mm. let's talk a little bit I mean you, you mentioned quite a lot about fresh and fresh vegetables what are some of the challenges or potential challenges you faced in terms of sourcing these fresh fresh vegetables um, in the region and do you normally or do you try to uh, just buy locally ideally in an ideal world everything would be local. Where, when it's possible, we always source, source locally from, for example, all our microgreens, our kale, tomatoes, onions, that's all. We're really fortunate can get that from local farmers. When it's products that are a bit further afield, yeah, we, we, we obviously have to use an export, but we always try and make sure we're finding organic or ethically sourced produce that's as close to the region as possible. That's something I feel really strongly about, and I think a lot of the customers do as well. So that's something we're definitely working towards. And there's a there's a lot of farms, there's a lot of vertical mm. farming popping up across the UAE, so there, more and more options are coming onto the market for us. Do you work directly with the farmers? Yeah, we always try to. It's actually one of my favourite parts is going to visit them every every now and then to see our produce. One of one of my favourite things to do. It's uh, it's really nice to see that. Yeah, I suppose then you build up relationships with them. I mean, but as a small, a relatively small company right now, is that still quite challenging to to actually go directly to them? Are they open to that, or do they would they rather then sell on to the big the big buyers and then you buy from them so it's basically this you know you're, you're another link in the chain aren't you yeah exactly it's, it's a mix to be honest with you um like like you said we're we're pretty small and we're a very new company we only started last year the two, we launched two weeks before lockdown happened in the uae been, been a challenge but yeah the when we can we always try and reduce the the supply chain as much as we can and i think it's better to go direct it benefits everyone a wee bit more yeah uh, so that's what that's what we always aim to do and hopefully as we get as we continue to grow, that that can increase more and more. And I think it's, it's, it's been quite interesting, hasn't it, just looking at some of the trends during lockdown and during the whole pandemic. And we did see a huge surge in deliveries, perhaps people looking to eat more healthily. So in some ways, I suppose initially, you must have just absolutely thought, oh my gosh. If you told me that last March, that this would actually be a good thing, I, I would never have believed you. Because we had uh, so we, we, we had a pop-up on Kite Beach, and that was that was our launch into the market as part of a yoga festival and then we had a lot of pop-ups and our whole marketing campaign was based on too busy to work and suddenly 
it's too busy to cook and suddenly nobody's too busy to cook everyone's making banana bread <laughs> sourdough starters so um but luckily that i because our company's always been really focused on health so every every day especially in the meal plans you get a fresh juice a ginger shot people really gravitated towards that element of this of like it's, it's an element of self-care with the plans especially you know we also have a motivational quote every day so we try and look at it as a holistic package rather than just Here, here's your breakfast go eat it um it's we've really focused on the whole customer experience which is what people had yeah. fortunately gravitated to so it, it I, don't, I don't know if it'll ever be a good thing we'll never know the answer but no i'm, <laughs> I'm very fortunate this last year how it's turned out for yeah us. it's brilliant you're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Good afternoon. I'm joined by Yasmin Hardy. She is the founder of the Honest Badger, which is a mostly plant-based food delivery service. It started about a year ago, two days before the lockdown. Thankfully, Yasmin has uh, done a fantastic job with remarketing, getting it up uh, and going, and also um, being part of one of the Spinneys incubator programs. Um, so you can find the products in store and also online really interesting story Yasmin thanks so much for joining us um, from working on an oil rig as a geologist to setting up your own food delivery company it's quite a journey isn't it I'd love to talk now a little bit about we've talked all about the ingredients we've spoken about what you do but just give us some examples about some of the the meals themselves uh, yeah of course so um, for all the meals what we really love to do is take comfort food that you know and love and add a healthy twist onto it so we've got a shepherd's pie that's made with with mushrooms and lentils and a sweet potato topping. Then we also have uh, lasagna that's actually our best seller on for the retail range that's made with a lentil bolognese. Then uh, we also have a few new products launching actually onto hopefully into the retail very soon as our granolas. They're sweetened with dates that we've sourced locally and uh, coconut oil. So that's that's actually quite interesting. That's come from. Our customers keep asking us how they can buy bags of granola, and so we, we, were, we were like, we were making ourselves in the meal plan, and then people were like, "How do we buy it?" And I was like, "Oh, we should, we should try make it, it ourselves." <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we've always been making it, so yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a nice organic way to to get customer feedback. Yeah, and what have the some of the best sellers? We said lasagna is actually one of the best sellers, and it's a great comfort thing. Have people been asking for meat? Have people been saying, you know, why why aren't you doing meat? Is are you going to really stick with the plant based, or do you think you might sort of do a section for those meat eaters or fish or things like that? Um, I think well, on our meal plan, we have we we have lean meats and we have fish. So I, at the moment, we're focusing on the plant based side for the ready meals. Yeah, uh, but you know, never you never know in the future. So what what we've got in the pipeline now is we've got we have. We have the ready meals. We also have meal jars as well. So we've got, at the moment, a sweet potato dal that's the, the best seller for that one. Mm. Um, but we're also looking at Thai green. We're going to do a Thai green curry. And we're also going to do a mac and green. So that will be plant-based. Oh, I look forward to those very much. And, of course, I've got to mention the sweet side as well. I, did, I was obviously on your website earlier. I was, saw some amazing cookies and uh, some other things as well that... Uh, is that section going to grow as well? As well? Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. that's definitely that's definitely a growing section for us. Um, the brownies are by far our best seller. They're sweet. They're sweetened with sweet potato and almond butter. They're mm. always a bit of a sellout, especially when we, we're at a pop up event. Uh, but yeah, they're actually going to go onto a delivery channel as well. And we're hoping to really, really grow that side of the business as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, thanks so much for joining us. I wish you all the very, very best. And I can't wait to perhaps try some of your food. Actually, look out for it in Spinneys. Of course, also look out for it online and go onto their website, Honest Badger, if you want to book your meal plans. Yasmin Hadi, founder of the Honest Badger. All the very best. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. 
Good afternoon, I'm Siobhan Layden. I'm filling in for Helen today. And up next, I'm really looking forward to having a chat with Joanne Black. She's category manager at Spinney's. And it's all about mocktails for summer. She's going to be sharing some wonderful, delicious mocktail recipes with us. We're going to be also finding out about some consumer trends in terms of drinks, as well as the new no and low options over there at Spinney's. Joanne, thanks very much for joining us today. Great to have you. No, thank you for having me. It's great to be to be online there uh, with you guys. All I want to do is sit down and have one of these incredibly delicious uh, mocktail drinks because you sent over some recipes. Um, it's almost the weekend. I know maybe some people may be planning barbecues, um, you know, maybe getting a couple of friends together, going outside, enjoying the weather. And these mocktails just sound absolutely fabulous. So why don't we kick off with some of those, Joanne, and you can really um, get our taste buds going with some of these wonderful um, drinks drink selections garden margarita spiced pomegranate mocktail mm, sound absolutely fab they are amazing um, we have an amazing team here at spinnies that, that come up with these fantastic uh, recipes and like you said coming into the weekend it's going to be a hot one so um, absolutely perfect for, for chilling out in the in the garden um, garden margarita is is one that the team mocked up um, for us last year it's a one of my personal favorites actually because it's got some great products in there like fresh mint fresh coriander um, and we also we partner it with our um, our margarita mix which we bring from um, from the US which is just amazing it's a it's a brand called Agalima. It's organic um, and it just packs such a punch. It's a, a fantastic product and just very refreshing, um, perfect for those those summer afternoons. Do you know what's in it? Yeah, so so the recipe we've got um, in there, you've got some lovely cool cucumber juice. Um, you've got some fresh mint, some fresh coriander. Um, we've got fresh ginger in there as well, so a bit of a kick. Um, we put in there 120 millilitres of the, the margarita mix just to, to build it out a little bit. Um, of course, there's ice. Um, no margarita is complete without any ice. Um, and then we also um, we we salt the rim of the glass, which is obviously signature for a yeah. for a margarita. A couple of uh, little uh, umbrellas in there and a, and, and a straw. Just Definitely. <laughs> uh, cucumber juice, though. I mean, can you just sort of? I don't have um I don't have a juicer. Just using a sieve, actually. Um, I suppose that would work if you could whiz it up in a blender and then just put it, work it through a sieve. Would that work, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think like now with 20, 2020, 2021, yeah, we are in the age of the Nutribullet, aren't we? I think yeah. everyone owns owns a Nutribullet when they've gone through that um, <laughs> that diet in their life. Do you know um, what? I, I, I had one, one and used it so much and then it sort of went to the back of the cupboard for a couple of years yeah forgotten yeah, about i don't know why and it's just suddenly it's re-emerged i've dusted it off and i'm absolutely i'm kind of falling back in love with my nutrients yeah um and it's just oh it's fabulous just throw all sorts of stuff in there but yeah it's celery i was trying to think of celery i couldn't yeah. think it was celery that's all the trend right now isn't it celery juice but i mean to be honest i'm not a massive fan of celery I, I, um it's great if it's, it's mixed in with things. Isn't it? yeah I know it's supposed to be amazing um, for you, but I, as I said, I don't have a, 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 a juicer, so I just whiz it up on the Nutri-Blend, then chuck it in the sieve, and then just sort of squash it through the sieve, and, the, and it works fine. It juices really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think that's a, I think that's a good solution. I mean, um, we don't have a straight um, cucumber juice at Spinney's, but we've got... Um, a number of, of different different mixes. So, I mean, there's there's one brand that I could just think of the the Georgia Natural Juice, and that has you know like a, a high amount of cucumber juice. So there are like quick tricks that yeah. you can you can put in instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think everyone's got a neutral palate. <laughs> 
Yeah, get them out. It's just you just throw anything in there and it seems to work. Let's get some more recipes. Now, another one is spiced pomegranate mocktail. That sounds amazing. I know pomegranate also has got some really beneficial nutrients in there too. So this is uh, a, a, sounds like a really wonderful one with peppercorns and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this mocktail. This was, this was perfect for those, like, when you've just finished your barbecue, the sun's setting, it's like one of those finisher drinks. Um, so in this recipe, we've got a number of different ingredients. So there's the cardamom pods, pods which are just stunning, absolutely add so much flavor, um, really sig- signature flavor there on the cardamom. Um, we then add pink peppercorns, which are, again, full of flavor, full of punch, and infuse the, the mocktail really, really well. Um, we then add a teaspoon of rose water, which is really, really popular here in the UAE, as you can imagine. Top that up with 200 milliliters of, of pomegranate juice to, to bulk it out a little bit. And then we actually add Brunswick Ace's botanical um, drink from, from Australia. Mm. It is full of flavor and it just adds so much to the mocktail. You then obviously add some, some ice in there and you've got, you've got a, a shaken great mocktail. Um, yeah, probably one of my favorites. I mean, you can even right. add like an, a fresh pomegranate. You slice the fresh pomegranate at the end and, and balance it in the drink. And it mm. just it kicks it up a little bit. <laughs> Sounds delicious. I love the sound of that. Shaken, not served. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Good afternoon. I'm chatting with Joanne Black, who's the category manager at Spinneys, making my mouth water with some fabulous mocktail recipes. Garden margaritas, we've just been talking about. Another one was a spiced pomegranate mocktail. And uh, interesting, Joanne, that um, you've got these, what's it called? Brunswick Aces Hearts Sophia, which are these this wonderful selection of non-alcoholic beverages that you now have stocked in Spinneys. Tell me a little bit about those and also perhaps let's touch on some of the trends now in the consumer trends in terms of drinks. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think the the, the trend of, of the, the no alcohol or the, or the low alcohol range is, is a trend that's been happening and, and booming in, in Western Europe for the last you know number of years. Only in the last year or so, it, it made its way over to the UAE. It's just a, it's a bit of a no-brainer of a category, really, because we live in a in a in a country with vast population of, of non-drinkers. Um, whether that's because you're dieting or your religion, um, you could be pregnant. This category appeals to so many different people, um, and yeah, we've we've launched a, a phenomenal new range across across Finney's. We've had to work really really closely uh, in partnership with the these brands to become gcc friendly um within within the no alc uh, the low uh, the no alcoholic category we've, we've launched over 20 20 new lines into this category and it's, wow. it's all incremental yeah mm. it's, it's huge i mean very very inspirational if you walk into any of our stores it, it it's something that's that's never been seen here before. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, did notice really... it. I actually took a photo and sent it to my husband because it looks it just looked <laughs> fabulous. I love the lemons next to it, and then you know just some <laughs> ideas, throw some herbs in there, and it really does. I mean, it's it's so much better than you know when someone maybe comes around your house and you're like, what can I offer you? Iced water, you know. At least there's, there's so many more <laughs> options now, and I think these new no and low categories, as, as I believe that you're calling them, are really quite interesting. And of course, you can always spice them up. At home as well if you like and add in some herbs and spices and other mixes with them and fruit as well um, and what's what's been some of the trends though you, you said earlier that during covid that uh, there was a bit of a spike there as well in in certain trends of perhaps people being a bit more conscious about health conscious definitely definitely i mean you've, you've captured it really well there with with covid i think it's really made us 
step back and, and think about you know what what we're putting in our bodies and and we are becoming a much more health conscious population um people are demanding um our consumers are demanding so much more from from the brands and, and the products that we we stock at spinnies big brands are, are really pushing mpd to to give adults um or to give the, the soft drinks market you know what it needs which yeah. is Great quality grown-up beverages. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's such a great line. Great quality grown-up beverages. Thank you so much, Joanne. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. Looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to perhaps whizzing up some of these fabulous cocktails as well and uh, maybe checking out these new no-and-low drinks down at Spinney's. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All the best. Joanne Black there, Category Manager at Spinney's. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Don't forget, you can tune in live to Farmer's Kitchen every single Thursday afternoon on Dubai Eye 103.8 between 2 and 5 p.m.